Welcome to the Abundant Wellness with Andrea podcast from surviving to thriving in mind, body, and spirit. Hey there, I'm Andrea Jones, registered nurse, functional hormone coach, inner healing and deliverance pastor, and most importantly, wife and mother of two beautiful girls. This podcast is really a conversation about how to discover and walk in an abundant life that God has laid out for us while processing what I call the messy middle, pain and overcoming things in our life that are hard in order to nurture all of the parts of you so that you can walk in abundant wellness in all areas. Welcome, everybody. We have the immense privilege of having Dr. Jennifer Barr, um, naturopathic doctor. She is the founder and chief medical officer at Resilience Naturopathic, which is the practice devoted to making pans and pandas a thing of the past and homeopathy, the medicine of the future. Her commitment stems from her personal experience as a child who would have been diagnosed as with pans. Um, had she been born 20 years later than she was. Her life's work is dedicated to bringing awareness to pans and pandas, teaching the world about the healing power of homeopathy, and changing the outcome for the children and families that are suffering. Um, Dr. Barr, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on this episode today. I'm so excited to be here. I've gotten to talk to you several times in other capacities, and so it's great to be here to talk to you in this capacity. Well, I, I just, I mean, I I can't have you on here without just sharing publicly with the world. We refer everybody that we know that might be struggling with pans or pandas to you because it really is your, your practice that changed the trajectory of our daughter's life and subsequently our family's life. And, you know, it's, it still blows my mind that conventional medicine doesn't seem to have a grasp on what pans and pandas is, even though it's been well-researched, you know, for over 30 years by this point, probably closer to 40. Um, And so I just, I want to welcome you and say thank you for the work that you're doing, number one, but also thank you for taking the time to um, just kind of talk with me about, you know, about pans and pandas and how people can get the help that they need. Of course, I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So, Would you, I I think we should just kind of start with um, maybe just a a brief explanation on what Pans and Pandas is, um, and then we can kind of dive into the the differences in in some treatment options that are available for people. That choice and what they're going to do, and I'm happy to talk about all the options. What I will say is that homeopathy is very good at helping people where everything else has failed for sure, and helping people avoid some of the other stuff, but we can talk about that in a minute. Um, so we'll start with what pans and pandas is. Um, so I pans and pandas is technically, um, if you, depending on who you talk to, they're separate conditions, but I, I really liken them together. Um, the reason that they are separate is that pans, it stands for pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome, which means that it's a collection of symptoms and a, a general presentation that we don't have a clear underlying cause or underlying trigger for it. It could be many, many triggers. Um, PANDA stands for pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with strep. And that strep is what makes it a little bit different um, in the minds of like researchers and some clinicians. Um, And that's because PANDAS is a very specific set of symptoms that comes together um, that is triggered by a strep infection. 
Um, and so the reality is they have a lot of similarities, a lot of crossover. And the, the absolute truth is I have yet to meet somebody who has just pandas, who is only triggered by strep and not triggered by other things, which is why I really think that it's, it's a fool's errand to say that they're separate things because right. I've never met a child who is only triggered by strep and who can get all sorts of other infections and, and live in other like um, moldy environments or have things that stimulate an immune response that don't have a pans type reaction to it. So um, what it looks like, um, what pans and pandas looks like is it could be acute onset, although it's not necessarily acute onset um, of OCD, ticks, behavioral changes, cognitive regression, um, and some physical changes too, including some urinary uh, frequency or urgency or bedwetting in children who were previously potty trained, um, changes in handwriting, um, and just again, behavior, behavioral and cognitive regression. So kids who are 10 starting to act like they're five again, um, and like losing the ability to focus on um, math or understand math and reading comprehension and a lot of separation anxiety, rage, things like that, um, that can come on. It could be very suddenly. And that's like this typical definition of it is for it to be a sudden onset of OCD and tics and some of these other symptoms um, within a short window of time from a known strep infection. Um, there's a couple of right. issues with that, right? Because some of these kids don't have any symptoms of a strep infection other than the OCD and tick. So they wouldn't even know to look for it. Um, right. Uh, and so we don't, we can't necessarily always have that close temporal relationship with it. Um, PANS is, has similar symptoms um, that can occur. The real focus for a di uh, diagnosis for PANS though, is on the presence of OCD or ARFID, with it, which is um, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, um, supposed to also be sudden onset. Again, one study um, through Stanford actually found that only like 40% were sudden onset, like 60% wow. of kids who meet the criteria for PANS didn't actually have a sudden onset. And wow. you know, the, the, the factors there are numerous, you know, like kids can have lots of immune dysregulation from birth. You know, there are certain infections that can be transmitted you know, when they're um, in utero or as they're being born. Right. And so they might've actually had exposures to things that they were susceptible to super early on. It could also be that they just never realized what was going on because how many people have things that they're exposed to that are triggering an immune response that you just don't even realize that that's what's going on. Right. So you never bothered to look or there was a sudden onset, but it was excused as developmentally appropriate um, because a lot of kids go through periods of separation anxiety. They might have transient tics or transient stutters. My child had transient stutter that went away on its own. Um, mm -hmm. But it could be, you know, lots of things that could be in retrospect, you can figure out, oh, things didn't yes. really change here and it was dismissed too. So I think that's really where the, the lack of sudden onset can come in. Absolutely. And I think that's a really important thing to talk about because I actually feel like most of the, the families like in the pans and pandas community, at least the ones I've talked to, I would say reflect more of the statistic that you're talking about, which is mm -hmm. that, that the majority of them are actually not acute onset. Ours was, yeah. um, but there was also now looking back, like you said, retrospectively, there were some, there were some pretty clear indicators of immune dysregulation before that point that we were trying to figure out like mm -hmm. what is going on here. And so, but I didn't realize that what I was looking at was susceptibility. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any, like, even with all of my medical training as a pediatric nurse and, you know, I'd seen maybe one or two, I think in 12 years, uh, two patients, two clients that actually had pandas. 
Um, and again, it was treated from a very conventional like perspective. And so there was no discussion of susceptibility. And I think, I know we talked about this the other day, but susceptibility is everything. So Mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about what that means? Like what is, tell me about susceptibility. Yeah. So susceptibility is really where homeopathy is different from all of the other types of treatments that you can get for pans and pandas. And I'm happy to talk about all of the options, um, whatever you want to talk about, Andrea. Um, But susceptibility is really, that's what homeopathy addresses is is the true underlying cause, which is susceptibility to having the specific atypical reaction that you have. So with pans and pandas, it's so easy to get caught up in like, oh, this is an immune thing. This is an immune thing. And so we need to kill the strep. We need to kill the Lyme. We need to remediate the mold. We need to detox the mold. We need to remove all the the chemicals that they're reacting to. We need to remove the allergens they're reacting to, change the diet and all of these things. But the reality is the strep itself is not the problem because if strep was the problem, everybody who got strep would have pandas. It's, it's an atypical response. So that's really where the susceptibility comes in. It's that these children who get pandas as a result of strep, are susceptible to this atypical misdirected immune response. And homeopathy is the one that that addresses the the only thing that really truly addresses that underlying susceptibility. Um, And the reality is that that the susceptibility is presenting in the fact that we we put 10 kids in in an office who have pandas, they have similarities in their, their diagnosis that leads them to that same diagnosis, but they're all going to have a different presentation. You know, some kids are going to be Right. Incredibly um, OCD, like just straight OCD and ticks. And that's their main thing. Some kids are going to have incredible anxiety. Some kids are going to be violent and full of rage. Um, some kids are going to have urinary urgency. Some kids are going to have complete bedwetting and, and like inability to hold urine. Um, you know, there, there's just going to be lots of different presentations. And those presentations are those unique differences in their, their specific personal individual susceptibility as well. Absolutely. And I think you nailed, nailed the explanation of that because I, I think me, like most parents, you know, when your child is first diagnosed, it's like, you just want to fix it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's like streps, the problem, we're going to go after the strep, except for we treated the strep and she didn't get better. So now we're like, Yes. So we treated the strep and the behavior did not come back to baseline. And so then we like so many parents that you treat so many, um, you know, we're trying to find a doctor now who will actually take us seriously. And I had, you know, one that was like, oh, you know, her nervous system's a little bit hypersensitive. And I'm like, a little bit like, this is not a little bit like, this is like, her brain's on fire at this point. And I was like, could it be, could it be pandas? And I almost didn't even want to introduce the idea, but I just had this gut feeling like I know enough about Mm -hmm. this from my clinical experience. I'm terrified that I'm right. I don't want to be right because I know that there's just not a lot of resources on this. And yet, so was kind of dismissed by the first doctor second doctor, thankfully, you know, within the same month, we were able to find somebody that was, he's like, I will do the lab testing, but I can tell you by looking at her and by what you've reported to me that this is most likely pandas and we need to get her help like yesterday. And I was so relieved because I'm like, okay, somebody, I don't have to fight that uphill battle. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but we still went down, you know, the route of supplement supplementing and spending a bajillion dollars on lab testing and which, 
for us personally, I can't speak to everybody's situation for us personally, that didn't get us any farther in the healing process. Because again, we weren't dealing with the susceptibility piece. And had I knew that, right. Or had I really understood that because you were doing a great job of teaching it, but my brain just wasn't getting it for whatever reason. I think it's it, sometimes it's hard to let go of, of the thing we're holding on to as parents that we think might help us, whether that's IVIG or, um, you know, low dose naltrexone or like some of the other immune modulating therapies that we know do work for pe- some people, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is hard to let go of that and say, okay, I have to kind of open my mind up a little bit here to what is the best thing for my child right now? Like, what does she yeah. need? And and realizing that what we weren't, what we were doing wasn't working and we needed to do something different. And so, um, so how, so this is where I got stuck. And I think this is where a lot of, you would know better than I, but I think where a lot of parents can get stuck is that I just could not comprehend. I could not comprehend how homeopathy could heal something as complex as Mm -hmm. pandas, because we were seeing like a full system shut down. Like every, you know, her digestion is impacted, her skin, her breathing. There's nothing she's not allergic to at this point. You know, she's having nighttime anxiety and daytime anxiety and like, it's getting worse, not better. So Mm -hmm. I just couldn't comprehend. I just couldn't comprehend it. So I don't know if you have a magical way that you explain that to people. You know, I'll try. I'll try. (laughs) Um, And so like, ultimately it's, it's for what, where people get and and like what resonates with them. So I'll, I'll do my best. Um, What I will say is that what you shared about the, you know, using all the medications and supplements and the various things that you tried about it, not really dealing with the problem and never getting back to where she was before the um, PANS onset. And then like, and truly what, what, what I'm hearing you say, um, and what I know from you sharing your story with me in the past is that it just continued to progress. So not only did it not improve back to like where she was, but it continued to progress and just continued to get worse. And that's, that's really a big component of the susceptibility where you can recognize that like the, it's not just the bug, because if you killed the bug, you know, if, if you, if you killed the it bug and the bug is a problem, it would be better. Um, but the reality is the right. bug just sets off this, this internal cycle and like, you know, downfall of, of what's going on with, with like exposing more and more of that susceptibility. Um, and the reality is that most people, even if they have fantastic results and they take their first round of antibiotics and like the symptoms go away and it's like, poof, my kid is back to normal after like a day of antibiotics, hallelujah. But then they're going to get struck again, or they're going to get some other thing again. And, and if we don't address the susceptibility, you're going to live in fear of every cold, every exposure. Anytime the kids get sick, Absolutely. you're going to keep your kid, kid home. You're going to be like checking your house for mold, checking, like, you know, just going on really strict diets and all the things because you're not addressing that susceptibility. And when, when we address that, we're able to get back to life and kids can get colds and not have pants flare. They can have pizza and ice cream at a birthday party and not have a flare, you know, all those sorts of things. So um, helping people understand, I think one of the reasons that people struggle with homeopathy is one, it's just not really well understood in the United States and it works differently in the body than conventional medication. Um, And I think there's a couple of things that really are hard for people to wrap around, wrap their heads around. So one, with homeopathy, you do one thing. One Classical homeopathy is one single homeopathic 
holistic medicine at a time that I best mean. fits the totality of the symptoms that the person is experiencing. Um, so we're not just looking for pan symptoms if they have chronic migraines or chronic constipation or rashes. We're looking at that too. We're looking at the totality of the symptoms um, that a single person is experiencing because everything is connected. And that's one beautiful thing that homeopathy recognizes that we say we recognize in other forms of medicine, but we're still treating them all separately. And so like you're getting, like your constipation is connected to your, your mood and that's connected to your migraines, but you're getting you know, two or three supplements for each thing to try and help support all of the things right. together. So even though we're saying that they're connected, we're still treating them as if they're separate. Homeopathy really does truly treat things as if they're connected. You get one single medicine and it's done um, at a very low dose so that it's very safe. Um, where what we're trying to do with homeopathy, um, it just works differently in the body. And so I'll address that here in a second. But I think one of the first things to recognize is that in life, period, and health and medicine, more is usually not better. Um, right. More creates things, just creates more complexity. Like the more you do in, in healthcare and the more supplements you add and the more medications you add, you're dealing with the supplement and its impacts and its side effects. And then dealing with all of like how these things work together. Cause we're not studying how low dose naltrexone plus IVIG plus curcumin plus ibuprofen, how that combination right. works together in the body. Like we're, we're we study exactly. each thing separately and then combine them into a body that's very sensitive and like on fire and say, well, we hope that this is all going to work together. We don't actually know what this combination right. of things together is going to do. Um, and so for some kids, it can actually create a lot of, a lot more um, complexity. The, the beauty of homeopathy is that it gives you one single medicine that's addressing the whole body. And if you think about it, it makes sense really, if everything truly is connected, that you should find one thing that can address the totality of what's going on. But we're just right. so ingrained in our healthcare system that we, we treat things separately. And so it's just requires a pretty big mental shift. Um, but I think it helps some Absolutely. people when they recognize like, this is truly one issue. That's one underlying issue that's going on. That's leading to all these different things. And so one medicine should address all of them. Exactly. I, I, I love that. And I, I did eventually get there. It took me a while because, but part of it is because of our training, right. And yours, mm -hmm. you know, similar background where it's like, we're looking at double blind studies. And, and I think the thing for people to understand is that pharmacology, the study of medicine, or, you know, pharmacological medications, they are looking for one medication and the connection to one physiologic impact or change in the body. And homeopathy and the same thing with plants or herbs, even it's, it can have numerous, numerous impacts on the body and the physiology. And that's a lot harder to track in studies. So it's not impossible. I think it could be done with, you know, with some tweaks to how we do it. But I think that's sometimes like for my medical mind, that's where I mm -hmm. got stuck was like, I'm trying to like process this through an old paradigm and it just, it doesn't work. I have to throw out the paradigm. And eventually, cause what I hear you saying, and, and I, I've never heard you say this, like in, in a group setting, you're not saying ditch all of the things that you've been doing. Usually how that works, like at least for us, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here was that as her body was healing, we were slowly able to let go of more and more and more. So we went from like, yes 
35 supplements in the morning that took, you know, an hour and a half just to get through because of the mental stability, right? It was a nightmare mm-hmm. to yep. now she does her two drops of homeopathy in the morning and two in the afternoon or whenever she needs them. And we're down to two supplements and that's it. So yep. it's, so would you say that that's more, I, I would guess it's probably more case by case, but you're not telling no, people that's, to just well, like, that's how we, that's how we, yeah, totally. It's how, that's how we operate at my practice. There are some homeopaths that are that believe that you can't do the two together. And I, I don't find that that is um, true, nor is it safe, especially with chronic illness, any chronic illness, but especially pans and pandas where we're dealing with um, truly for some of these families with like matters of safety for the child or for the family too. Um, And so the reality is homeopathy works as a gentle stimulus to heal. And so it works by giving the body just a small dose of a single substance found in nature that if it were given to a healthy person could cause similar symptoms that the person is experiencing in their unhealthy state. And what that does is it, it provokes a secondary healing response from the body, essentially like an equal but opposite type of reaction. Mm. Um, but that takes time for the body to heal and to respond to that. Cause you know, healing it's, it's not, we're not suppressing, we're not palliating, we're not forcing right. biochemistry. We're trying to help the body repair. And that can take some time. And the reality is, this is why I don't say that homeopathy is necessarily superior homeopathy has a different outcome. And so ultimately, if your goal is to get to the point where you don't need to be taking 35 supplements to just maintain whatever your current level of of dysfunction is or function, you know, for some people, um, you know, and have to follow a strict rigid diet or take antibiotics for years at a time and anti-inflammatories for, for prolonged periods, homeopathy can get you to the point that you heal and that you don't don't, know, you no longer need to take many or any of those things. Um, that said, homeopathy is not like a fast solution. Um, and so when you are right. in crisis, it can be beneficial to keep those things that are keeping you at like a certain level of functioning so that we can slowly help the body to heal. And we also don't want to create a crisis like for people like you who are on like 35 supplements right. that if you remove all of those biochemical forces. You're now dealing with like the withdrawal of all of those things um, right. and just like a of symptoms. And that's just going to create, you know, crisis really for, for the family and for the child and for the body. Um, and so, yes, we actually want people to stay on anything that they're doing. Um, and then we slowly wean them off as they are healing and their body can handle the changes. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's definitely been a great approach for us. And, you know, sometimes I think part of it is too, it's like, what can the mom or the primary caregiver handle, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in a cert, to a certain degree, because we've finally found something yeah. that's like holding things together kind of, right? And so like mentally we have to overcome that. Like it's truly kind of a, an emotional obstacle, right? Where it's like, I have to be ready to yeah. also make this change with her. And so I felt like that was a very gentle approach because then we were able to tell like, she's doing really good. I don't even think she needs her allergy patches. Like, I don't think she Mm -hmm. needs, you know, these different things anymore. And we were just slowly able to very naturally come, come down from that. And I mean, it's the same thing I would say, you know, how I operate as a functional medicine practitioner is Mm -hmm. we don't want people to go cold Turkey off of their medication. It's very rarely a good idea um, for the same reasons that you said. So I love that Mm -hmm. you shared that because I do think that that can be a fear or a hesitation, right. Mm -hmm. For some people kind of coming in, or if they're having to change 
the way that they've been doing treatment. Let's say they're working with a psychiatrist and they're working with an immunologist and they're wanting to add home them off of those things like it can be really scary to let go of that and so I love that you clarified um that approach and I also love what you shared about how it's one uh substance one medication one homeopathic medication that's addressing the whole person and I think what that highlights is this understanding that I think the medical community is kind of starting to like kind of catch on to which is that you cannot separate neuro from immune you cannot separate like the neurology. So psychology, right? Which is like the study of the mind. We can't actually separate that from what's happening in the immune system, especially with children who have pans or pandas. Mm -hmm. And so I love that, um, you know, so, so to me, it's like whatever's happening in there, whatever you're seeing in their behavior, in their mood, we have to look at that as like, okay, there's something mirroring that in the immune system then, because it wouldn't be showing up in their neurology if it wasn't already happening somewhere else in the body. Does that make yeah. sense? I don't know if I articulated that well. No, it totally makes sense. And I would go further to say that we can't separate the nervous system from the immune system or the gastrointestinal system or the hormone, exactly. you know, endocrine system or cardiovascular. It's all... 100% connected. And, um, you know, I, I definitely have been, been known to say that I believe that someday, hopefully before I retire, that we will recognize that all of psychiatry actually should just be a subset of immunology. Um, but Absolutely. The, the, total, the, the truth is like we, even if we were to do that, we would recognize, but there's all these other components too, um, that contribute right. and, and play a role to, um, to impact the immune system and to impact the nervous system. So um, it's really all connected. Right. It is. And I think to a certain degree, you know, that actually brought me a lot of relief because I remember, I mean, I worked at one of the best pediatric hospitals in the nation, right? And um, I absolutely loved my job. I got to work with the best neurologists, the best immunologists. And so I kind of like, once our daughter was diagnosed, I wasn't working in the hospital anymore, but I was, I was trying to connect a local like nonprofit that was working on getting laws passed and stuff like that with, uh, for pans and pandas to get IVIG covered by, um, by insurance. Cause at that point it was not, I don't think it was really until this year. It's like a new thing that's happening. Um, because there are people that, that want to go that route. Right. And I was like, I'm going to just see if I can connect with the doctors that I know that I have personal relationship with and ask them some questions. And I asked the neurologist, like, let's talk about pandas. Like, is it a neurological problem? And they're like, no, it's an immunological problem. So I went to my immunologist friend and I'm like, okay, is it an immune problem or is it a neurology problem? Oh, you have to talk to neurology about that. It's all, mm -hmm. so they're not even communicating on like, how do we team up on this? The body's yeah. teamed up on this, right? Mm -hmm. The body is integrated in this dysfunction that's happening in the body, but the medical system is not integrated. And so that's yeah. one of the reasons why I personally, it felt like a huge relief when it was like, we're looking at everything and how mm -hmm. it all works together. And you have done such an amazing job of creating this community where you're just reminding us on a daily basis, sometimes you can lean back lean back on me. Let me be the one to help you navigate. You're already walking the hard road. Like, let me take some of the, the weight off. And I think just as a mom, I was able to take my nurse hat and my mom hat off and just be like, okay, 
I'm just going to lean into the expertise that you have. And you guys, I just want to honor you for that because you've, you've really created something that it's a group that people want to be a part of. It's a place where families feel safe, um, even if they choose not to work with you. And that was mm-hmm. one of the things that we had been working with a different homeopath at the time. And we're getting some I would say very marginal, some, some little glimpses of hope that maybe that could be beneficial for us. And I just remember you were always so kind to answer my questions, even though you knew like, that's not my approach. Uh, That's not how we do things, but this might be what she's talking about. Like you were so gentle with it just in general, I've observed that with you regardless of what people choose. And so um, I would just say, well, I want to ask you, what would you say to the listeners who maybe where I was or that are in that place of they're really trying to figure out what is our next step? Do mm-hmm. we need to get treatment? Um, what does that look like? Like what, what kind of encouragement might you offer? Um, so again, everybody's got to find what works best for them. I, per- uh, hopefully it's been very clear. I see the value in functional medicine and conventional medicine, and I see where it can come and like give people relief. Um, and I, I think that if your goal is to not need to use things or like follow straight to, you know, protocols and diets and whatever for the long haul, that the earlier somebody were to explore homeopathy, the easier the healing journey is going to be. It's not necessarily going to be shorter because we can't force the body to go any faster than it wants to heal. Cause all we're doing is nudging the body and then it's doing the healing on its own. So it's not necessarily going to be shorter, but it does tend to be easier and a lot less complicated. um, If we're starting with homeopathy earlier rather than later Um, that said, that's never too late to start. So if anybody's listening and on the place in the place that you are, where you had done all of the conventional stuff, all of the functional stuff, lots of supplements and all of the testing, which the testing can, can give you some useful information um, about things to avoid. Right. But most of the things that you're testing for homeopathy can address without having to spend the money on the test. Um, right. So that's one of the things that's really beautiful about homeopathy too, is it's far less expensive um, in the long run because that it's we're not doing a ton of testing and homeopathic medicines themselves are cheap as dirt. Um, so right. yeah. <laughs> And kids don't fight with you about it either. Usually not, right. not a crop, not like a hundred percent. Occasionally a kid will just fight about any type of treatment period, but it's, it's not a medicine right. that like, you know, kids are, are fighting about either. So, um, Out of a bump. my, my, my biggest recommendation, um, is going to f- sound self-serving, but hopefully it's not, would be to join our group. And it's not necessarily to come and learn from me specifically, but to connect with other parents who are, Absolutely. um, going through it and that can give you the feedback. Like they, they're, they will tell you what different things they have tried, what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them and just give you really honest, transparent feedback. Um, and so, and then in, in addition to that, to like being able to connect with people who are in a similar place, like we give a lot of education to help you really understand and make really informed choices where, you know, I I've got a mini course in the, in the Facebook group where we teach everybody about getting a diagnosis, the different treatment options from conventional to natural and, and functional and, and then homeopathy, and then walk people through how to have a successful homeopathic um, relationship and to be successful using homeopathy, whether they work with us or not. Again, like you said, this is, it's open to anybody. Um, and we're there to support people the best that we possibly can, um, if they're using different providers as well. Absolutely. And I, I will just say, 
um, that you guys have done just to reaffirm that an amazing job of that. And, and I've observed, you know, I've been in there for like, what, five, I don't know, four or five years now, something mm -hmm. like that, probably four. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of different things and I've never once seen like, you know, a bad response to that, or like a, you must come work with us kind of attitude. Like it's, it's truly been, you guys have really done a really good job of, um, just creating that safe place. So I will make sure to link that if you're listening, um, I will link that in the show notes so that you can find the homeopathy group. And I would just say as a mom, um, just taking my practitioner hat off here for a second, but as a mom, um, if you're listening and your child is struggling, I would just encourage you to not wait, um, in reaching out to you. And because your client guide team is amazing. Like I remember the first time I called and my heart was like beating out of my chest. Cause I'm thinking, I know they said I won't have to like prove myself, but I kind of feel like <laughs> I, I might have to prove myself here. Um, and they were so patient and so just understanding and listening, and they're really wanting the best for me and my child. And so, um, so I would encourage you to call Resilience Naturopathic if you're concerned whether you know you have a diagnosis of pandas or not. Um, they're going to be able to help you to identify some of your next steps in treatment um, and whether or not true, you know, truthfully and honestly, whether or not that's a good next step for you and for your family. And so if you're in that place, you know, obviously just uh, reach out for that community, um, find that safety net of support. And, um, and of course, I can't recommend you enough, Dr. Barr, for what you do. And you know, I, I just want to encourage you that you are changing the world. You are, uh, you made a huge impact in our family and our life. And I know, um, the thousands of other families that are in that group. So I just want to say thank you, um, for really pioneering what you're pioneering. And I really hope that the listeners, you know, if, again, if you're listening and you're in that kind of sticky place where you just don't know what to do next to, um, to muster whatever kind of courage you have left and reach out to Dr. Barr and her team and just see what options are available for you. So thank you so much, Dr. Barr, for being on with me today. Um, it was a privilege. Um, did you have any last parting words? It's never too late and it won't be like this forever for anybody who's going through it. Absolutely. And I feel like that might need to be an episode too. So <laughs> that's, that's really, really good. So we will leave with that little note of hope for you all. Thank you so much for listening and we will be in touch, Dr. Barr. Thanks for having me.